Well, it's it's uh, let's get this podcast rolling, Libby. I think I think everything's ready and in order. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Everything's uh, everything's good here. Cool, uh, cool. I'm uh, really looking forward to talking about uh, tonight's movie. I think last week's uh, Top Gun was really fun. And yeah, yeah. A... Knock, knock, knock. What were you expecting? Someone? No. Hang on. Let me let me go okay. uh, check the door. Hang on. Okay. Uh, who is it? Hi, this is Neil from the Helping Hand Collections Company. And I'm here to repossess your podcast. Wait, what? Oh my god! Hang yeah, on. yeah. Wait, I mean, what's going on? No. Here? You must know that that creating a podcast is a rather expensive proposition. You need a uh, you need microphone rental, yeah. Audacity rental, yeah. music rights, voice rights, mm-hmm. all those fees, and they've been covered so far. But I we've been sending you these notices to omcparty at gmail dot com every month, but we haven't heard back from you. Did you did you get any notices? I haven't seen anything. No, though. I haven't. I haven't gotten any mail in weeks. Actually, I don't know what this that's, is. That's what's going uh, on here. Th- this you... is right, correct? That's omcparty at gmail dot com. No, it's no. Uh, it's ost party. Ost. Oh. Ost. Oh my god! Uh, is this is I, this for know, real? Now that you point that out, every time it's in my face, I. Every time I look around, it, it's in my face. How bizarre that I didn't notice this. Well, <laughs> I guess I can float you this month. Okay. Thank but, you. Okay. That's, that's very generous. But well, since you mentioned that. OST, that, that stands for original soundtrack, am I correct? Yes. That is it, yes. So, well, how about? Since, since you're here, how do you want to jump in? I was just about to say, in exchange for me floating you on this month, how about you have me on to... Uh, Discuss a little movie by the name of Repo Man. Uh, Joe, I think we can do that. That sounds pretty reasonable, yeah. Yeah. Come on in. Sit down. Do you want a Pepsi? (laughs) I would love a Pepsi. (laughs) I'm sorry. All we have is soda. (laughs) Is is that okay? (sighs) All I wanted was a Pepsi, but... (laughs) But I guess you're not going to give it to me. No, not going to have it. Not going to give it to you. Well, guess I'll just get hit by a car anyway. <laughs> oh no! Don't say that. Come at least, at least come and do the show before you go walk out in traffic. Um, <laughs> hi everybody! <laughs> Welcome to the OST party. This is the podcast where movie fans and music fans get together and have a rocking good time talking about soundtracks to your favorite movies. Hi, my name is Joseph Wade. I'll be your co-host for this evening, and here with me tonight, as always, is my lovely and belligerent co-host, uh, Libby Cudmore. Libby, Hello. what's shaking? Oh, no, oh, it's uh, it's fun to be here. We're kind of going uh, punk rock tonight, which is something <laughs> I am decidedly not. But uh, looking forward to uh, to talking about Repo Man. Hell yeah, hell yeah! And also to help <laughs> us talk about Repo Man, uh, we have a uh, very special guest, our very first guest on the podcast. Yes. This is exciting, indeed. Our very first guest on this podcast uh, is Neil Jacoby. Neil, indeed, I am Neil Jacoby from Spall Talk, the only podcast where two siblings talk about the life and career of British character actor Timothy Spall uh, on a monthly, now monthly. At least, at most monthly, we tried to do it bi-weekly, but we've uh, sort of gone out of step over the past two years. But every time we get around to it, we discuss a uh, film starring, or at the very least, featuring Timothy Spall, who you may know from the Harry Potter movies as uh, Peter Pettigrew, 
and, or from uh, The King's Speech, a at least bottom five best picture winner where he played Winston Churchill. Huh. I forgot he was in. I forgot pretty much everybody was in the King's Speech. Now that you mention it, um, it's a very was easy Walton movie Goggins to forget about. Because Walton Goggins isn't in it, or I'm not doing it for this podcast. I don't see it. It's like my bare I, I don't think. I, I don't think they released a uh, OST. They probably just released a score album. Not okay. not a lot of pop jams on that soundtrack. But I haven't seen it. <laughs> yeah. So what? I guess one question I do have, what kind of prompted y'all to pick Timothy Spall of all the actors in the world? Uh, I literally just posted a uh, a pun on Twitter, and I, I like to sort of, when I'm trying to set up a, a pun that I'm trying to make a joke on, I sort of backfill the setup, so it's like, come out to my show is my new uh, pro-Trump drag performer, Rachel Slurs, like that sort of setup, and then the actual <laughs> punchline is the pun. And so I just did that for Spall Talk, and then like... We started talking like, hey, I was talking to my brother Eric and was like, hey, may- maybe we should actually do that idea. And now we've gotten like 39 episodes under our belt. That's impressive. Like, yeah, like like yeah. a lot of things on the Internet and, and out in the world, like good marketing is everything. So like yes. you've at least got a great name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we've got business cards, which are great for an audio format like this. <laughs> Libby, we don't even have business cards. Oh, my God. Stickers. Stickers are my favorite thing. I see. I feel stickers like stickers are far more easy to distribute. You, you can like stick them places. Are Not you, easy with a business stickers. card. Like that's you need true. a thumbtack for that. And like one thumbtack per business card. That's a lot of thumbtacks. Yeah. Stickers can at least go on the inside of a bathroom stall. You know, like that's yeah. That's that's ex- an appropriate place for a podcast ad. <laughs> yeah, you, like you can put them on street signs, on abandoned buildings. You can't do that with a business card unless you've got, like, those uh, sort of easily peel-offable glues they use for, like, uh, sticking things to action figure packages. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> These are good good things to think about. See, I'm just imagining now a business card that just says the word podcast on it in, like, that bright <laughs> blue serif font. So, well, the, the question I have for you, Neil, is uh, why Repo Man? Uh, I, I'm glad we're moving from this uh, MBA seminar and podcasting to the actual content con- content of the show. You're welcome. And yes. uh, I was very close to veering us into American psycho territory. I'm sorry, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I listened to an episode of your show and I was like, "This is amazing! This is the best podcast Man. ever! I need to be like, on it." Is Libby, stop <laughs> that too. But like, they're eventually going to do Repo Man because it's. A great film soundtrack to a, a film that is at least as known for its music as it is for, you know, the content of the film itself. And I actually uh, experienced the soundtrack to this movie before I saw the movie itself. Like, my dad had a copy of the Repo Man soundtrack when I was a kid, and so cool. I borrowed it from him, I ripped it, and I just sort of had that as, like, an album for a, a movie that I hadn't seen. And so when I eventually saw the movie, it was it was interesting seeing like how this music uh, was integrated into this film, and like I just wanted to beat anybody else to the punch. Well, well you did. You you absolutely did. We did have I think a couple of people ask about Repo Man, and you were the very first one. So congratulations. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> and this one's really different than anything else we've uh, done because it hasn't. Yeah, you know, we had the kind of electronica soundtrack, we had the industrial, and now we're going with the. The punk soundtrack. So this is uh, 
this is kind of a, a neat a neat entry rather than just kind of do the same uh 80s or 90s pop punk or sorry uh power pop soundtrack uh, so b- before we get to Repo Man, we have the business of our last episode to discuss, uh, specifically the Twitter poll from last week's episode. Uh, Libby, what were the results? Well, for starters, thank you for everyone who voted in this. We had 72 votes on this. This is our most successful Twitter poll. You all really love the Top Gun soundtrack. Or at least songs that sound like the Top Gun soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, uh, predictably, Danger Zone. One with 57%. Of course. Yes, because y'all are trash. Uh, Take My Breath Away took 18%. The uh, Ken's Street Fighter 2 stage theme, also known as Cheap Tricks Mighty Wings, uh, took 15%. And Playing With The Boys took a pathetic 10%. What is wrong with you people? I 100% take the blame for uh, Mighty Wings taking 15% because I I retweeted that knowing that my video gamer friends would pick up on that and just do it. Oh my god. So, but actually, uh, this week I successfully beat Street Fighter 2 for the first time in my 36 years on this planet. And... (laughs) And I was thinking about that the whole time as I was kicking Ken's ass mercilessly into the pavement. That is also why my show notes that I took for tonight look the way they do, because I gave myself carpal tunnel syndrome. Oh, no. (laughs) So my show notes are a mess tonight. So if Uh, I sound like a big idiot, that's why, because I can't read anything. Oh, because you're all all hopped up on uh, oxys, right? No, no, I actually have nothing, (laughs) nothing but this crippling pain. And notes I had to take because I put off watching Repo Man until the last minute, as I'm known to do. I want to keep it fresh, you know? Yeah, of course. You, you want to be ready and, and, and excited about it. You don't want to, like, wait a week and then say, oh, what, I forgot all about Repo Man. Yeah, exactly. So, but as a result, my notes are completely illegible. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so Repo Man is definitely, it, it kind of exemplifies the fact that you know the whole set sort of soundtrack game is a really sort of deep bench you've got your your like more poppy side of the soundtrack landscape like in, in 80 in 1984 when this movie came out i think what the big soundtrack i was i'm guessing footloose so well, i don't know about the most popular but it was up against the uh toto's dune soundtrack uh phil collins against all odds uh this is spinal tap beverly hills cop Purple Rain, and of course, Footloose. Yeah, yeah, all, all soundtracks that, at the very least, are buoyed by one pop hit. I, well, I don't know about Dune. That <laughs> I, I don't know what the big pop single for the Dune soundtrack was. No, that's, yeah, Dune is just, it's Africa over and over and over. <laughs> but we also have uh, Streets of Fire, which somebody I know wanted us to do. Uh, 16 candles break in so there's a lot of uh, a lot of kind of classics that you still hear on uh, adult contemporary radio yeah but then there's repo man yeah <laughs> <laughs> which is but, a fascinating soundtrack if absolutely nothing else <laughs> but then the movie itself is great too so we mm-hmm. have a lot to talk about it's not just fascinating for like it in comparison to the other soundtrack albums it's fascinating in that it was more successful than the movie, at least at first. Like, it had, like, a really dismal first theatrical run, but the success of the soundtrack album uh, sort of provoked them to, like, okay, we should we should probably, like, 
try to give this another push, and that led to the movie, like, at least making its budget back if the, uh, uh, numbers on Wikipedia are to be under, are are to be trusted, like, that was the push that got it over that hump to make it at least a, uh, technically successful movie in the theaters. Yeah. Well, Joe, do you want to talk a little bit about uh, about the film itself? How much uh, how much made how it did at the box office? Sure, yeah. Opening weekend. So a- after, well, I don't know about opening weekend, but but what what Neil said was was true. The first it got pulled from theaters after a single week, I guess because it was pretty dismal. But then, yeah, up, upon the soundtrack sort of becoming an underground hit, they put it back into theaters, and it wound up making back at least double its budget on a one point five million dollar budget. It made three point seven million dollars. So. <laughs> Uh, as far as an 80s underground movie goes, I'd say that's pretty good. Yeah. And then the soundtrack, you know, kind of lending it more, I guess, exposure, just kind of made it more and more of a hit, especially once it hit video, I think is when, when it really took off. Yeah, and you could kind of pass it around and say, you know, I... This album will it. change your life. Yeah. Uh, it, it's sort of more accessible. And before people were passing around the video, people were passing around the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. As as we see with uh, with Neil. <laughs> oh, okay, now I'm just imagining like a version of Garden State where instead of instead of the shins, it's just the the circle jerks. Shit hits the fan, and it still <laughs> changes Zach Braff's life. Yeah, I'm actually I that I think would make uh, Garden State a lot more watchable. I'm really looking forward to shitting on Garden State. I can't wait. <laughs> I'm so excited about that. Yeah, me too. Me too. Me too. <laughs> We're going to have a good time. I, I, I feel like if I had discovered this movie when I should have, which is probably around 50, the age of 15 or so, this would have spoken to me on a very profound level. And mm-hmm. not to say that it didn't today or this week, rather, when I watched it for the first time, which even then feels like a, a shameful thing to admit. But it this movie, something about this movie strikes me as very still relevant, I think. Because... It is a real 2019 mood. It does, yeah. You're right. Like, I feel like movie a movie like this, and then a movie like um, uh, like John Carpenter's Lay They Live are are very as as much as they are sort of a relic of where things were in the '80s. They're still very much uh, a part of the conversation as far as uh, that the that would actually poly- be a really dope double feature, Repo yeah. Man and They Live. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. And I'm actually surprised I didn't hear this sooner. My uh, my younger sister, Hillary, who I, I talk about a lot on this podcast, uh, was a big, big hardcore punk fan. And I'm just I I don't know if she's ever seen Repo Man. She has never mentioned it. So um, I'm kind of surprised that this didn't come up earlier with us. So but again, growing up in a small town, sometimes you don't have access to these kinds of things so i don't think i saw it until i think we got it my husband and i got it on netflix after hearing a lot of great things about it and um we're just sort of confused the first time we watched it but second time uh we kind of dug it although uh funny story if i may i was at a very fancy sort of college uh dinner with uh at suny oneonta and uh, reporting on it for the paper. And while talking to the then president, Dr. Nancy Klinuski, we got talking about movies and she mentioned that her favorite movie was Repo Man. Nice. Which I thought was the coolest, most punk rock thing ever. And she's, she was a, a wonderful, she has retired. Absolutely wonderful. Not the movie I would have picked as her favorite movie, 
But this is so, uh, Nancy Klonuski, if you're listening. Here's well, Cerebro Nancy Klonuski, since you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> since you're listening anyway, here, here's Repo Man. Yes. Anyway, here's Repo Man. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just jump straight into Repo Man. Um, quick and dirty plot summary. Libby, what do you think? Oh, jeez. How do you even... <laughs> I don't even give me, know. Give me the it, elevator pitch for Repo Man. <laughs> Rick and Morty becomes... for dirt bags. <laughs> Can I tweak that just a little bit? Sure. Close encounters for people who aren't nerds. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, I yeah, I'm not. I'm like. I... I'm at a complete loss for words. <laughs> it is actually though. It's a it's a very 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 high concept pitch. When you think about it, it's about uh, a punk becomes a repo man and goes on a hunt for a car which may have alien powers. That is a really high concept pitch. That's the kind of thing where I'm like, God damn it, why didn't I come up with that? It's yeah. like uh, the Wolf of Wall Street, but with uh, like a thousandth of the salary. Like uh, Harry Dean Stanton is the Matthew McConaughey figure. Okay. I I get that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, actually, that's, that's so brilliant. So yeah, Repo Man is about Emilio Estevez as this sort of you know young young LA punk in or the early eighties. His name is Otto Automatics. I think is his full name. Yep. Which is beautiful. As in auto parts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> get it? Because it's a car movie. But he's this very sort of disaffected youth, like a lot of LA punks are in the in the uh, the early '80s. Gets fired from his job as a grocery store clerk, and winds up working with Harry Dean Stanton to repossess automobiles. Um, where he's 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 very sort of dismissive of the job, but he kind of takes takes on the job anyway because he makes money and it's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. But there's and... there's definitely the stigma like about rep- repossessing cars as a job like it's it's a almost worse than being a cop basically <laughs> yeah and in the course of uh him being a repo man word comes out that there is a 19 was it 1964 67 chevy malibu yeah uh that has sort of either aliens in the trunk is it i'm not quite sure maybe i, I believe I it's four it. dead aliens four dead aliens and the hunt is on. It's worth uh, $20,000. And everyone wants to find it. The repo men are after it. Uh, Mexican gangsters are after it. Uh, the government is after it. Shady conspiracy theorist types are after it. And then a televangelist shows up and he might want it too? Yeah, it, it's, like a, it's like it's a mad, 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 mad world. But uh, if the thing they're looking for can disintegrate you if you look at it. <laughs> if it actually were a mad, 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 mad world. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, so And the, it's uh, a 1964 Chevy Malibu. So right, care. right. And so over the opening credits of the film, it's uh, the opening credits play out over this weird, like sort of green on black uh, map of uh, Los Alamos, New Mexico, which kind of sets up the whole sort of uh, space alien vibe. But playing over it is Iggy Pop's theme song, Repo Man. Well, 
Yeah, yeah, and this is something I didn't really pick up until this time watching it, but, like, those maps are actually following the car. That's sort of the general area that that car is in as it follows it to the Ooh. establishing shot. Because, like, you see that dot, that, that yeah. blinking dot at the end of the credit sequence, and then it cuts to the car. See, I, I misread that, because I, I, when I saw Los Alamos, I just assumed, okay, this is supposed to take place in Los Alamos. But then you see the, the landscape of the city, and like, no, this is very clearly L.A. Yeah, yeah, they, they have the chase in the reservoir. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is basically, like, a, a requirement if you're shooting a movie in L.A. Yeah, so it's so much that uh, it's kind of become a, a cliché. Weirdly enough, the first movie that came to mind when y'all said that was the Starsky and Hutch movie, which definitely <laughs> ends that way for basically no reason. The first thing that came to my mind was The Critic. They do it in LAJ. <laughs> of course they do it in The Critic. <laughs> uh, I oh. love The Critic so much. The Critic was the best. So yeah, uh, Iggy Pop uh, does the theme song for Rebo Man. And this, I fucking I love this, by this the way. This is a great song. This is a totally oh great song. It opens both the album and the movie, and it's a just a great opening piece. Yeah, it really it sets up the the tone. Um, and this is a little more the the kind of punk that I really like. It's it's not quite the the L.A. hardcore that gets a little a little too much for me, but I I do love that kind of Iggy Pop era. So, and you got um, Steve Jones from the Sex Pistols doing the guitars, which like the mm-hmm. guitar to- to me the guitar oh, totally yeah. makes this song. Oh yeah. Absolutely. It's just got that that kind of, I mean, I don't want to say hard driving because that's such a cliched kind of phrase, but for a movie about cars and driving around, like it's this, this the perfect fit, basically. Absolutely. I, yeah. a, a lot of the guitar work on like this album can be described as sort of like aggressive surf music. Yeah. Yeah, yeah really can. So, which you, you hear a lot in that, that kind of, that, that comes back into play in things like The Offspring and those kind of later uh, punk revival. Yeah, and like y- you can sort of hear it like all the way back in like the early Iggy Pop and the Stooges stuff in the sixties, yep. and like even yeah. before that, like Link Ray's Rumble, like that would be it would be completely in its element on the soundtrack if that just sort of popped in. Oh, you're right. Oh, yeah, I hadn't thought about that one. I think I was reading an article on the uh, long since deceased Dissolve by Noel Murray, where he talks about how like the most punk thing about the soundtrack is that there's not there's no one single like flavor of punk music. It all kind of blends together and and plays different sorts of sorts of modes. Like you've got your hardcore punk, you've got the icky pop sort of sound, and then you've got this weird sort of like surf rock that kind of goes on underneath it. So every little yeah. piece of it kind of builds out a whole picture. There are like two commonalities that really like tie it together: this sort of surf guitar and horns. Yeah. Which, especially on the second half of the album, really come out. Can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, well, uh, well, the first half of the album, like the the sort of vinyl track list, uh, El Clavo El, El Clavo y la Cruz by Plugs sort of ends the first side, and mm-hmm. that's when you get sort of this like uh, sort of Latino influenced like side of uh, Plugs also did like all the score work for this movie, all all the sort of ambient music that isn't really like songs songs but like yeah. sort of just incidental music and it is just the sort of wonderful you've got horns and guitar going on at the same time which it's something i just haven't really found anywhere else 
there was a point where I wanted to call to label it as like something related to ska, but it's not quite that because there's the <laughs> there's the sort of Latin tinge to it. Yeah, which yeah. kind of cancels that out. But yeah, like it's it's a little more relaxed and not quite so aggressive. Which those two things are the same thing I just said there. But um, uh, I don't. I, I lost my train of thought here. But yeah. Well, and I was gonna. <laughs> Uh, give uh, kind of a shout out to their cover of a Secret Agent Man. Oh Umbra God, Sek- yeah, which is hysterical. <laughs> because I mean, later you see this like the sort of ironic punk cover, which sort of drives me crazy. You, you saw that come up in the. Uh, in the 90s with like Pennywise but there's something about we first about... in the Gimme Gimme's made like an Ugh. entire career out of it yep Ugh. yep including but... at least one slot in a Martin Scorsese soundtrack oh for fuck's sake but um but I love there's something about this that is just sort of goofy I think because uh you know because it's in Spanish it's there's something so fun and goofy about it that doesn't seem like you're trying too hard which of course is you know the the sort of antithesis and but as Otto points out also part of the the punk life when I uh, you know you're just a suburban punk when he tells his dying friend so I don't know where I was yeah. going with that but there you go but you know it's definitely like purposeful like they're doing it on on purpose to sort of establish a mood like yeah. because when when um Hombre Secreto comes on this on the soundtrack it you know it's a scene in the movie where um you've got the the Rodriguez brothers looking for the car. You've got the FBI guys looking for the car and everybody is doing, doing this car hunt for their own purposes. And you, it's just, it's kind of silly on its face. Just like these, all these groups of people searching for a car in their own cars. And then secret agent man in Spanish comes on and it's just like, Oh yeah, this is totally intentionally stupid. Like it's willfully silly, but it yeah. works. And also because it's, you know, you're in LA. Right. Yeah. And, and, so it's East LA in particular, like yeah. So it, it, I think I feel like it kind of pays homage to that. Yeah, and sort so. of going back to Repo Man, the Iggy Pop song that starts this off. I, I like, I love that the lyrics don't really even try to get into anything about the film. It's just yes, it, it's kind of like a, a Tom Waits song, but sung mm-hmm. by Iggy Pop. Mm-hmm. Just these sort of like vignettes of like abstract imagery there there's this part where it's just like the this sort of muted guitar and he's and he's talking i was pissing on the desert sand and sort of whispered to me i i don't know why i went into johnny cash there but it, it's this sort of like this sort of weird interlude that doesn't make any sense but it it, it gets across a mood yes and i like the it doesn't do like the Huey Lewis back in time where it gives you kind of the book report version of the movie you're about to watch. He, he kind of sort of gets into that at the end where he kind of he just starts describing Otto as a character in the lyrics. Yeah. But it, it, that's it's a little more I mean, it's, it's not so pointed. It's like Otto, I, I'm driving around looking for aliens in a car. Like He's not doing that. He's just, yeah. you know, deeper, bluer. My hat is like the pin on a Chevy Malibu. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, he, he, he goes, uh. Yeah, I was a teenage dinosaur, stoned and obsolete. I didn't get fucked and I didn't get kissed. I got so fucking dense using my head for an ashtray. Like, that's basically who Otto is as a person. Mm-hmm. 100%. Otto's such a trash bag. 
it's just it's just the worst it, it's such an odd character because like on the one hand he's he's such a punk rocker oh my god but then you see the actual punk rockers that are like the almost the villains of the movie and they're just p- huge pieces of shit too yeah so he's kind just, of I, a poser as far as they're concerned I, i'd say they're villains in the same way like team rocket are villains where like oh <laughs> well, yeah yeah they're, they're kind of antagonistic but but you still love them you love when they show up they're like the balkan skull of the movie <laughs> oh yeah like team rocket's blasting off again but like once they show up it's like oh they're back yeah you're, so they just sort of pop in and out you're like oh hey guys what's up so i really i love her um she had the i was just like i want every single and what was her i'm blanking out debbie i like i loved all of her outfits i was just like debbie is my yeah hero. i stand debbie yeah stand and like queen. the the guy who opens the trunk and like is like i'm taking over the gang now it's me, the Invincible. He opens it up and gets... He's the Meowth of the group. <laughs> yeah. Archie, Aww. yeah. Yeah. Oh, poor Archie. Yeah. And they don't uh, They don't even Archie. stop to, like, mourn Archie when he gets blasted. They're just like, oh, come on, let's go do some crimes. Let's go eat sushi and not pay. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, that's their idea of a crime. Which, yeah. I mean, it is a crime, but it's not like a... They've been robbing liquor stores, and they're just like, yeah, let's not pay for sushi. <laughs> They deserved like, a whole movie, honestly. Did either of you play that game that came out recently called Night in the Woods? I have it, but I haven't started it. Well, like, so you know, like, the, the, the characters in that game, like, their constant refrain, refrain is like, let's go do some knife crimes or something like that. <laughs> and every, t- every anytime someone says, let's go do crimes, I just think about Night in the Woods now. But just, like, kids just standing around in the woods trying to stab each other, like... It's probably yeah. harmless for most people, but eh. a lot of the linguistic flourish in the script of this movie uh, strikes me as like a, an influence on Akewood. Like the the yeah. way that words are used seems like a, a lot of it sort of filtered into that distinctive way of speaking. That like I, I could see like a roast beef showing up in the world of Repo Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally believe that like the language of Repo Man has kind of filtered down through into the internet in in one way or or another. You know, hmm. like even just the phrase "doing crimes," I just think is hilarious. <laughs> like that's just such a stupid turn of phrase. Yeah, but uh, I use it. I was using it the other day. Um, the lo- one of the county judges is also the football coach, or the, sorry, the basketball coach, and just won states. And so I was saying, like, I've done so much coverage of him. And I said this to my boss. I work in words. That is literally my job. Mm-hmm. And I said to my boss, like, I think that Judge Lambert should let me do a crime <laughs> to make up for the coverage. And he sort of looked at me like, what? What? Like, you know, like, a crime. <laughs> do a crime. Uh, like, yeah, like, a, a lot of this, a lot of the notes I took were just like, uh, me writing down lines that I laughed at so hard that I just had to note them down. Like, the mm-hmm. first one I noted down was like, are you gonna give me the car or do I gotta go to your house and shove your dog's head down the toilet? And, like, <laughs> that's our introduction to the Repo headquarters, and, like, that that's just a beautiful piece of language. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or and the just, Repo Code. Yeah, the Repo Code is amazing. Like, uh, Harry Dean Stanton, what's his character's name in this movie? A Bud. Bud. That's yeah, right, because all the, all the Light, repo people Miller. are named after beers. Yeah. So Bud. He, he, Bud's repo code. I shall not cause harm to any vehicle, nor the personal contents thereof, nor through inaction let that vehicle or the personal contents thereof come to harm. It's what I call the repo code, kid. Don't forget it. Etch it in your brain. Which sounded oddly familiar to me. 
as it's Asimov's first rule of robotics. <laughs> <laughs> like almost appropriate. To a, <laughs> a very appropriate because like once we, we we really meet the guy who's driving around in the sixty four Chevy, he kind of looks like Isaac Asimov. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, Parnell. Yeah, Parnell has, I mean, so Parnell's whole part in this is, like, he's the sci-fi part of this whole story, so it's kind of appropriate that you give him, like, kind of the Asimov look, and yeah. the the law of robotics is just such a strange entry point that, I don't know. The Philo from UHF voice, well, that movie hadn't come out, but it's that voice. Oh, yeah. Oh, like, yeah. You're... Well, then you've also got that, the, the character, uh, the mechanic. Um... Miller. Miller. Miller, yeah. Miller is the best part of this movie. He's oh, very God. Philo. <laughs> The, the cosmic unconsciousness. Yeah. Suppose you're thinking about a plate of shrimp. Suddenly somebody will say, like, plate or shrimp or plate of shrimp. Out of the blue. No explanation. No point in looking for one either. And then later Which, in the film, we just see, like, on a, on a diner window, the phrase, plate of shrimp. Plate of shrimp. <laughs> It's like, naturally, uh, of course. Well, and it just, going with that, and uh, I sent Joe a picture of this today, so my husband Ian and I watched this movie last night, and he took notice of the happy face pins that they're wearing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I was driving back from uh, from Cooperstown, where I work, and there were happy faces everywhere, like on all of the light posts. They They were not there yesterday. That's the cosmic oh. unconsciousness. I, I must be. Or they're, someone's looking for a 64 Chevy Malibu. You never can tell. I know. If I see one drive by, I'm going to be freaked out. Mm. Uh, so, uh, Neil, uh, let's move this along. What were some of the songs that you that really jumped out to you on this soundtrack? Yeah, yeah. Like In terms of like picking out the songs I wanted, I ended up just sort of skipping most of the first half of the album because that's... That's where, like, the heavy hitters, like, that's where you get your Black Flag, Suicidal Tendencies, but those aren't really the the songs that I really associate with this movie. Really? Uh, we've already covered Repo Man, which is one I wanted to cover, uh, Ombre right. Secreto, that, that's a good one. Uh, the, the one that I really just sort of associate with this movie uh, that isn't just, like, an actual piece of music made for the film is Pablo Picasso. Pablo Picasso was never called an asshole. Oh, that, yeah. The song that's playing when uh, Otto is just driving down the road and just tries to talk up the the name of the woman with the uh picture of the dead aliens uh layla layla yes and he's just being this obnoxious dickhead and just mm-hmm. runs into a big pile of trash <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and i let me see if i put down any notes for that song other than is no longer accurate <laughs> Because well, it's, it's not. Oh, sorry, go on. Okay. I, after the after the groundbreaking comedy special by Nanette, um, yeah, like that was basically my only note on it, <laughs> except for the bit about like this is a uh, this is a song where like that focus on horns and the sort of surf guitar they sort of come together on this song, and you sort of mm-hmm. hear that like well yeah. the, the sort of bass riff and those horns 
that that's where it sort of brings together the suit the two guiding motifs of this record yeah, yeah. and it, it's just the perfect song to be playing when Otto is just being the suburban dickhead and it was funny because I didn't I didn't recognize that until like I, I went back and was sort of looking through the soundtrack notes like it did I didn't pick up on it because I, I know that song I actually know the David Bowie version ahead of the modern lovers hold up version there's a David Bowie version oh you didn't know that I did not oh yeah it's on uh, his album reality it's great I'll have to check that out it's incredible um but actually in looking at that um yeah, you've got the Modern Lovers, you've got John Cale. Um, this is the fourth uh, rendition of it. And then the Tellers <laughs> in 2012 do a cover of it on the tribute album to Repo Man. Nice. And oh, then, wow. Yeah. Who, 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 I need to see who's on that album now. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, uh, in 2007, a band called Four Year Beard, which I don't know who they are, but I already hate them. Uh, <laughs> Does a they only it. play in craft breweries? <laughs> it's just like Portland, the album. Um, <laughs> I'm just I'm mad right now because everyone I know is in Portland right now, and I'm really angry. So I'm missing the AWP conference to be here with you guys tonight. Um, Libby, you're the they... only person I know, and you're in New York, so don't feel too bad. <laughs> okay, but no, uh, for your beard does uh, cover this song and a tribute to David Bowie. Again, like nobody's doing a tribute to the modern lovers. Everyone is just like, "Fuck you, Jonathan Richmond." <laughs> oh, that's oh. See, that's so sad. I mean, I <laughs> to tribute David Bowie, even though he was like the fifth person to cover a song, that's terrible. He was the <laughs> seventh person to cover this song. That's not better. <laughs> God. But. But no, this was actually kind of a cool version. I, I'm it's covering not- my way on my album tribute to Frank Sinatra Jr. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought this this was a respectable cover. Yeah, we just kind of accidentally backed our way into uh, under the covers. Yes, which is normally mine, uh, but I'm going to gift it to you tonight, Neil. Nice. The girls all turn the color of an avocado as you drive through the street in his Eldorado. Something, something girl could not resist his stare pablo <laughs> picasso was never called an asshole not like you <laughs> <laughs> which as you pointed out is definitely no longer true because yeah pablo picasso w- very much was an asshole <laughs> yeah also i don't think he drove an eldorado i'm pretty sure that's not accurate are you saying this song is made up <laughs> but this I'm is not I- factually accurate <laughs> Someone send a FOIA request to the DMV on Pablo Picasso's licensed cars. <laughs> um, so I just Googled Pablo Picasso height, and he was five foot four, not five foot three. This song is full of lies. <laughs> it's bullshit. I hate it now. Which is like, I, well, the most I mean, <laughs> they may have inflated his age out of respect. His height out of respect. <laughs> what you mean? You mean Google? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah you, Google, you know how Google is run by Pablo Picasso stands. What are you talking about? <laughs> they, they got it from his Tinder profile. Anyway, we're we're saying it here and now. Pablo Picasso is was an asshole. Mm-hmm. And I am in New York, and I will say that Pablo Picasso was an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> 
But in terms of, like, songs that I associate with Repo Man that aren't, like, Bad Man, that is a weird piece of soundtrack music because it's not a piece of music that appears in the film itself. It's just, like, this sort of ambient groove with quotes from the film layered on top of it. And I love it so much. Everyone can tell the way I am. I walk into a bar or someone's place of work. This shit's scared. They know I ain't no cop. They think I come to kill him. And I would. It's it's a great piece, actually. I like mm-hmm. this one a lot. Because it's it's Cy Richardson from the film, like re re reciting the lines that he gives to Otto in the film, but he's doing it as basically he's doing it as though he were doing the theme from Shaft, <laughs> and it's it's just the smoothest, most confident piece of like spoken poetry that you will ever hear on a punk album in 1984. And it 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 seems like probably among the songs in this album the most modern like you could find something like this on soundcloud yeah this, this yeah. just sort of like this groove that doesn't really go anywhere and doesn't really have to it just stays where it is and just sort of boom every like couple of bars and mm-hmm. and then just the, these quotes from the film that like in this context are b- bizarrely seductive just sort of layered over it he he's basically crooning how cool he is and mm-hmm. like relationship advice and how uh the band that you're currently listening to which is not the band playing the song once asked him to be their manager but no that ain't no job for a man uh and <laughs> i don't know. You to guess how I... many pairs of shoes he owns guess how many yeah. ties shit i don't know shut up <laughs> <laughs> This I almost is a beautiful little bit. Oh, it's great. I almost want to believe that like this existed before the movie and they just adapted it for the film. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be the best. Because that's that seems like the punk rock thing to do, right? <laughs> is to just take somebody's take somebody's like black exploitation soul track and you know what? Let's just make that the dialogue for our, our repo man movie. <laughs> yeah. Why the fuck not? I wouldn't put it past him. Uh, and a- like in terms of like the the songs that I don't associate with the movie institutionalized mm-hmm. I would say is my favorite track on this not because of any special association with the movie but because I first heard it in Guitar Hero 2 and fell in love for life mm-hmm. yeah like okay. I think as as far as all the tracks on this soundtrack I feel like institutionalized is probably the most famous yeah that one that's it like sells out man <laughs> well, I, I I wouldn't say it's necessarily the, well. It might be the most famous, but I'd say Black Flag as a band is more famous than Suicidal Tendencies. Oh, oh, totally, yeah. yeah. But like, but, Black Flag was never in an Iron Man movie. Yeah, so. and did Brack Fair cover point. Black Flag? He may have. I don't yeah, know Brack that well. Brack and I are not friends, Libby. What do you know about <laughs> Brack? Well, I know that uh, that this al- this was covered uh, by. Uh, Andy Merrill on a Dr. Demento um, punk album uh, <laughs> for uh, Space Ghost Coast to Coast. Yeah, that, that video has been going around our circles on, on the internet lately, and oh my god. That's, a, that's definitely a thing. 
Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, institutionalized, I feel like every, whenever, when every boy turns 13 years old, he's given a copy of this song to listen to, and he either he either like embraces it or rejects it. <laughs> it's just yeah, a rite of passage. There are two types of people in this world. People who share the, uh, this is Mike, he wanted a Pepsi but was institutionalized. <laughs> they share that meme when they see it, and those who do not. <laughs> yeah. Have you guys ever seen the music video for Institutionalized? Oh my god, yes. It's it's a, a an amazing piece of like outsider art. <laughs> <laughs> and it was on Beavis and Butthead, which is probably where most of us saw it. And also it, Eraserhead is in it for some reason. <laughs> it's it's in that class of 80s videos that are that are so janky that it it becomes a, a point of pride for them. Yeah, mm-hmm. really. And it, it's Though I'll, I'll give him credit for the, like this. I, I went and watched the music. There is a music video for uh, Black Flag's TV party. And that just looks like a home video they made on a weekend. This like institutionalized <laughs> actually looks like a real video. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just it's just Mike, the lead singer of the band, just like like staring straight into the camera and like basically doing the entire lyrics of the song while people are standing behind him and just screaming. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Ugh. And actually, have you seen the uh, body count version on 2014's Manslaughter? Oh, it's that... it is really funny and weird. I have heard that. Like Ice T does a great version of the song. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's definitely you, you kind of got to check it out. I would I would highly recommend it. Let me see if I can uh, pull up some of the lyrics. Um... But yeah, institutionalized. You don't get a whole lot of it in the film. It's it's one of the two or three songs that kind of just play on like the radio in the background. But mm-hmm. it's it is sort of kind of I guess the mindset of a lot of L.A. punks at the time is just like I'm not crazy. You're the one that's crazy. Give me a Pepsi. Yeah, Mom. and like speaking of songs that are actually played in the movie, there's only one that's like actually literally played on stage in the movie. And that is the Circle Jerks' Shit Hits the Fan, which mm-hmm. I would say, like, Batman is contemporary in, like, its style, but Shit Hits the Fan, like, that, that's a real 2019 mood there. However we can. We all gotta duck when the shit hits the fan. Ten kids in a Cadillac stand in line for welfare checks. Let's all reach off. And that version is so like I love the uh you know, he'd just be like, I used to think these guys were cool. <laughs> Cause that's actually yeah. the band playing the song, right? Yeah, yeah. Them and a drum machine doing a weird lounge act. Yeah. Right. And it's you there's that we all sort of have that moment where we we look at something that we used to love and think like, I can't believe I ever thought this was <laughs> was cool. And I was a little worried about in, in watching this again, feeling that way. Cause I remember watching it and thinking like, okay, I don't get this, but I, I was sort of, I, I, it's interesting. And I was afraid that I was going to watch this. And we had this problem uh, with the crow. And I was just going to think that this is the dumbest shit I've ever seen. <laughs> and I didn't, and which made me really happy. Is I 
I don't I I don't want to be that kind of person who just like comes on here like hey this is your favorite movie and here's why it's dumb. So so you're saying you're saying that Sting instead of taking the crow for his gimmick in 1997 should have just started doing a Repo Man gimmick to fight the NWO. Uh, I was gonna say uh, but specifically the Circle Jerks in their blue uh tuxes. That oh my oh. god yes. <laughs> but. The point is, this was this was not that like I used to think these guys were cool. Um, Hang on, let's, let me. me back up and talk about Sting some more. <laughs> Absolutely, if, if we're talking about Sting and gimmicks that he should are, are have we used, are we talking about Sting and gimmicks? Are, hold on, are you going to talk about Joker Sting? What no, is happening here? I'm going to talk about the Sting that teamed up with RoboCop. Excuse me. For oh a yeah. Where are because we? The Sting that teamed up with RoboCop is a gimmick I can get behind. What's going on? That that is classic surfer sting, but like in terms of regrettable sting gimmicks, like doing the Heath Ledger Joker in 2011 was just oh no the most sting thing ever. I dipped out of wrestling in 2001. I don't I don't know anything past 2001. So the (laughs) fact that that Sting stooped so low to do Heath Heath Ledger Joker that just hurts my soul. Oh my God. Not oh, only was no. he doing Heath Ledger Joker, he he had a bird, and like he went into Eric Bischoff's office and had the bird watch him, and Eric Bischoff sold for the bird. He 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 just he sold that he was intimidated and cowed into staying where he was by this this bird just sitting on his desk. Wait, did he like go, double down on the crow? What what? I don't understand. I, he, I have no was, idea what he's going on. He was the insane right icon, Joker Sting, but he also had a he also had a raven for some reason. That famous Good raven Lord. that the Joker had. Wait, did he capture the wrestler, the Raven, and turn him into an actual raven? <laughs> no, no, he just he just <laughs> I, had a bird for some reason. Fair enough. Okay, Libby, you're welcome back to come back onto the podcast now. Wrestling <laughs> okay. chat is over. Hello. Welcome back. <laughs> And I'm glad we didn't mention the actual Repo Man gimmick from the 80s by Barry Darsow. Anyway, Wrestling Chat is now over. Um, so the band that does that song, I'm tr- uh, my notes are so Circle janky. Jerks? The Circle Which Jerks. For some, reason, for some reason, when I was writing my notes, I always spelled it C-I-R-K-L-E. For some reason. I don't know why that... Yeah popped into my head as, like, the obvious correct spelling of Circle Jerks. Maybe it just seemed like, oh yeah, they're a punk band. They they make a intentional spelling mistake in their name. Were you thinking of The Circle, the band that does that song Red Rubber Ball? Maybe I was just thinking of Korn. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but yeah, The Circle Jerks, uh, that's not like the, that song is not the original version of that song, right? Shit Hits the Fan? Yeah, I was to understand that like they they basically intentionally did a terrible lounge version of that song anyway, like of their original song. As far as I'm aware, it that that's the version, but I may be wrong. Well, Circle Jerk fans, phrasing on that. <laughs> uh, yeah, please tell me I'm wrong because I would love to be wrong about that. But I seem to have read somewhere that they actually just like took that when the shit hits the fan and just did a terrible lounge cover of it for the movie. Oh, which is amazing and very weird and punk. Like that's such a weird art punk thing to do. I'm here for it. And as I was saying, the reason we got into this, it is very much a relatable song in 2019. Like shit sucks. No one has any money. Everyone's working like 
shitty gig economy jobs to survive. Like, if this were in 2019, maybe the only difference would be that he was driving Uber instead of doing repo. Yeah. Yeah. Ten kids in a Cadillac, stand in line for welfare checks. Let's all leech off the state. Gee, the money is really great. <laughs> yeah, this is very... I'm really surprised, though, that that hasn't unironically been used as, like, a Republican <laughs> rallying cry. <laughs> So you can now just... I'm imagining Ted Cruz reading the lyrics to this off a sheet of paper on the Senate floor. The trying circle to be, Trying to be punk like Beto O'Rourke. <laughs> I like the punk music. I'm into the stuff that the kids are into these days, like, checks notes, the circle jerks. <laughs> but can you, could you just imagine, like, however old Emilio Estevez is now, 50-something, I'm assuming. Like, can you imagine a 50-something Emilio Estevez, like, Having to issue like a, pro- a proclamation or, or a a, uh, a cease and desist on <laughs> some Republican for using a song from Repo Man, can you just see him like walking up to Congress and saying, "Stop using this! Stop appropriating my movie!" No, <laughs> Harry Dean Stanton uh, issuing a, a, a statement from the desk of Harry Dean Stanton. Delivered by Emilio Estevez because Harry Dean Stanton, for whatever reason, can't be here today. <laughs> oh man, that's depressing. Yeah, now we're all uh, sad. Rest, rest in peace, Harry Dean Stanton. Like this is as much as this is Emilio Estevez's movie. Like Harry Dean Stanton really kind of steals the show here for me. Absolutely, and uh, you know, you'd think he would know a thing or two about aliens. I mean, really, Harry Dean Stanton. Well, his track record with him isn't great. No, but you, so you think he'd be a little more cagey about like, yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe. But then at that point, at like near the end of the film, at that point, like you know, what has he got to lose? He's going to take it. You know, who cares? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, Bud just seems enough. like the, the kind of father, like the father figure that uh, I can, I kind of father figure I can get behind. Like he he knows his stuff. He knows uh, the rules of the road, basically, and I can respect that. Yeah, no, he's he's wonderful. I just want to say the first movie I mentioned in like the the like discussion for getting the spot on the show, the the fear song. We haven't even started in on that one, like, and that Not was like the the first note I gave. Like, I definitely want to talk about you know fear and the time they were on SNL. Well, yeah, let's let's jump down to uh, to fear. Fear's song is Let's see, Have a War. Have Let's notes. Have a War. Let's Have a War. Thank you. Like this is probably the jankiest song on the soundtrack, and on a on a song on, on a soundtrack that includes the song "TV Party," that's an achievement. Because "TV Party" is such a a boneheaded kind of, no, knowingly boneheaded, but still pretty stupid. Yeah, it, it's actually kind of Banksy. It's about how TV is going to rot your brain, and <laughs> do not become addicted yeah. to it, for you will regret its absence. Yeah, it's very a Morton show, yes. Yeah. Do not become addicted to the TV party. <laughs> you merely adopted the television, Batman. I was born in it, molded by it. I did not read a book until I was already a man. And by then, 
He was blinding. Was, was that leave, leaving's uh, audition for Bane? <laughs> Love it. So yeah, yeah. T- uh, tell us a little bit about Fear because this is a band that I'm really not that familiar with. Oh, I am also not familiar with like Fear's oeuvre, but I am familiar with this particular story. So SNL okay. was having their like Halloween show. It was like around Halloween. And they had John Belushi, and they and John Belushi suggested, "Hey, let, let's get Ian MacKay to sort of book our musical guest, bring in a bunch of punks, and let's have a Halloween punk night. It's gonna be fun. Let's have let's have fear on." And they decide there is no way this can go wrong. Lord Michaels decides, "Oh, oh, sure, John Belushi, let's have fear on," mm-hmm. and uh, it goes exactly as well as you would expect a. Uh, the the band that recorded let's have a war like there's video of it online people are running on and off the stage there is moshing happening everywhere it is (laughs) it is a shit show of the highest order and i love it uh they got banned from snl for that didn't they yeah They also performed the song uh, New York's Alright, if you like saxophones, which, <laughs> ooh, that that's a problematic one in 2019. I don't know that one. Uh, it's the one that involves the yelled line, New York's Alright if you're a homosexual. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which makes the line in this song, Give Guns to the Queers, it makes that sound empowering. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of language um, in in Repo Man that has not uh, particularly aged well. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's definitely. Um, I wouldn't say it's a problematic film. I mean, it's just sort of of its time. Oh, um, definitely, yeah. I, th- there are individuals in this film that would be problematic today, and at the time oh, were absolutely. also probably pretty problematic. Well, yeah, the idea is they go around basically taking uh, cars from uh, black and Latino people. Yeah, yeah, that, that's really that's... illustrated in, like, the first repo job with the, the, the little detail that really sets the tone where Emilio Estevez grabs the Virgin Mary off the guy's dashboard and chucks it out the window. Yeah, and I say this wouldn't work as, like, a I, I hesitate to call this a problematic fave because... I, I don't necessarily like that label, and I don't think it's sort of intentionally problematic. I mean, like, when you it's, look at the rest of Alex yeah. Cox's work, especially like Walker, which is about like uh, it's not Peter Weller, but it Ed Harris, Ed Harris, like going to Nicaragua as like this American agent trying to sort of you know civilize. The, it, it, it's yeah. very critical of Walker as a person. I think the same view is held here with regards yeah. to the Repo Men as sort of a societal force. So, um, and, like, that that's very much seen in uh, one of the more problematic scenes where uh, Miller, uh, they're all talking about John Wayne, and uh, Miller says, John Wayne was a, the F yeah. word that isn't fun to say. No. And, and, and this, repeats this it. this prompts the other guys to, to jump to the defense of John Wayne with the line, no, lots of guys like to watch their buddies have, lots of straight guys like to watch their buddies have sex. I know yeah. I do. <laughs> <laughs> Which you don't want to laugh at, but it's pretty. I, yeah, it, I mean, like, it, it, it's, it's showing just how, like, the, the sort of, like, weird masculine 
code of honor drives him to just bizarre statements to defend the honor of like th- this guy who's like if he's got two-way mirrors in his house to watch people have sex that- that's some creep shit yeah so, and John Wayne was the, I mean, the worst anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I, I totally, I totally endorse the scene, just not the, the wording of it, of the oh, scene. Oh, yeah. The intent, but not the execution. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, if John oh. Wayne were gay, that would be fine. Wouldn't fix him from being racist, though. Nope. Exactly. But yeah, no, this, this movie definitely some, some problematic, but of the time. You know, it was vulgar then. It was certainly yeah. vulgar then, but sort of intentionally, uh, intentionally crass. This is a good counterpoint, though. I think to our last episode, Top Gun, which we pretty much spent an hour and a half saying this is the most '80s movie ever. Like this is extremely '80s, mm-hmm. and so is Repo Man. But I guess for different reasons, because while Top Gun is definitely like that's this is the look and sound of the '80s. Repo Man is very. I guess of the of the time when it, in which it was produced because it's it's more politically aware. It's more concerned with like what's actually going on amongst real people. Uh, than Top, Top Gun. Gun is. Top Gun is the ego of the eighties. Uh, Repo Man is the sort of self critical super ego of the eighties, and Street hmm. Trash is the id of the eighties. There yes. you go. There you go. Okay. That's perfect. Thank you for for vocalizing that in a way I was fr- I was struggling with. <laughs> yes, that's very good. Oh man, but but you you know what I'm saying? Like Repo Man is is definitely uh, more aware of itself than Top Gun is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It it yeah. it's it, it's in the same milieu, but it it's all the people who didn't join the military. Right. It's everybody on the ground while Maverick is up in the sky. And, and, like, you see, like, little glimpses of the wider socio-political context of the time, like, on TV, on the radio, like, they, they have, like, a bit on TV about, like, American action in El Salvador at the time, and, like, yeah. his parents are sending money to buy Bibles for El mm-hmm. Salvador in what is a, a really, like, of the bits of this movie that are of their time, that's a big one. Like, televangelists are not quite as big of a societal force as they are now like if someone's Which, giving money to a crank like they're donating to like a QAnon patreon yeah basically yeah um, i'm kind of surprised the televangelist hasn't uh hasn't made a comeback as evangelical thought rises but yeah it is it's going to guys well, Alex i mean Jones is all those guys are on youtube talking about like oh here's the 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 biblical language that explains why hillary's eating the faces of children yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're they're not so sort of polished. Although I mean there's guys like the prosperity gospel, things like Joel Osteen, um you know, still still are are selling that out. So Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're they're still around, but they, they don't have the the broad support that they once did. They're they're squarely suburban, whereas like the, the high octane like yeah. Christian right wing people, they're you know, tweeting pictures of Pepe's and ovens at journalists. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. um, speaking, though, of punks and televangelists, uh, Jay Baker, son of Tammy Faye and Jim Baker, is like a, a super punk. Uh, he is a punk rock preacher. He is awesome on Twitter and just actually an amazing, uh, affirming ally 
Uh, Jim Baker, by the way, it it's amazing to see like where he's come. Like he's now got a bizarre show. Like there's a really great outline article by Alex Nichols that talks about this and the there's a Vic Berger video just sort of looking at this <laughs> bizarre new Jim Baker show where he basically just sells buckets full of survival food for the coming apocalypse yeah. to 90 year olds. <laughs> I, I mean, My... make, make your money somehow, dude. Like, you know? Yeah, since Jerry Falwell sold off your uh, family estate. <laughs> but, um,. But Jay Baker seems like a really, really good dude. But um, my biggest, one of my biggest record regrets is I found a Tammy Faye Baker gospel album at the <laughs> Salvation Army, and I did not buy it. Ooh, and I would like wow. never, never forgive myself for that. Wow. <laughs> but now that I now that I think about it, like this movie and like its relationship to, I guess, organized religion is pretty uh, pretty dire because yeah, the t- the televangelist that we see on TV is a pretty good parody of like yeah the jerry falwells and, and i that, want that. your money because god wants your money yeah <laughs> and then he shows up in the end and like lightning strikes the bible and he tosses it down on the ground just fire but then there's like in the middle in between those two like there's this like, great scene where um miller and otto are like standing near a, a, a burn barrel and one of them has a, a book called diuretics the science of matter over mind and it's yeah. basically <laughs> like a, a, a dig at uh, L. Ron Hubbard. He just he just chucks it right in the fire. <laughs> that that's actually the cosmic unconsciousness scene. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And then uh, later, one of the um, the agents is, oh God, passes it yes. off. <laughs> just sort of sitting on the sidelines of this uh, big ending set piece where they're all trying to get at the car and just talking. Yeah. About- yeah, this job is a calling. It's like a spiritual calling. Have you heard of diuretics? Turns out the other guy also has it and knows it by heart. <laughs> <laughs> well, and one of those, um, and this is probably, this is so unpunk that it has become punk. Um, one of the agents is Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> no shit, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. I just saw his name when we were watching the credits, and I was like, wait, that can't be. And I looked it up, sure enough, it is Jimmy does, Margaritaville Buffett. He's does, a that make him, does that make him the only actor to have worked with both Alex Cox and Harmony Corinne? I believe so. If you know another, please contact us on Twitter at OST Party. The, the only actor to work with Alex Cox and Harmony Corinne and Colin Trevorrow? <laughs> Yeah, he was Jimmy in Buffett Jurassic World. Yeah. <laughs> so he was chasing after aliens in Repo Man, and he was rescuing margaritas from dinosaurs in Jurassic World. <laughs> Jimmy Buffett should be on Inside the Actor Studio. Like, I want to know his his craft, his range. I want, I want to hear that, that story. Well, <clears throat> so... I guess we're we're gonna we're kind of winding down the discussion of Repo Man here. Is, are there any other like final points that we want to hit before we wrap things up? Um, we, this has been a very scattershot episode, but I think that's just the kind of movie this is. Yeah, it is. It's very episodic, and it's one of those I know everybody says like you look at movies in the eighties like this couldn't be made today, but you couldn't you couldn't construct Repo Man. Yeah, I do like, want to talk something... a little bit about the ending, like the actual ending after like Miller and Otto get in the car together. Uh, this watch through and listen through i discovered like a new admiration for the final song on the on the album 
real ten by plugs. I I had always just sort of like brushed it off as sort of like it's sort of like the outro. It's like the love theme to MST3K. It's not. It's something to listen to in passing as you like look through the credits. But it's actually like a real nice sort of instrumental jam. Yeah, that, like, it was really such works a really in the movie, but also really works as like just something to listen to. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a nice bookend to the Iggy Pop song at the start of the movie. Mm-hmm. Like you, you get you get sort of the really the aggressive side of it at the beginning, and then once you've gone on this journey and this adventure, you can just chill out to real ten, and, it, it, and they, they work it to get, they work in tandem really well. Yeah, and you're sort of there's this sense that it's perfect music to fly over. Uh, LA and it's there's a sort of wonder to it and you're just like yeah this is this is chill this is a good and a, a good way to wind it down we're just gonna soar over LA in our weird alien car with Miller <laughs> yeah and and those final shots as you can kind of see the budget petering out before you <laughs> yeah. like oh, okay we're just gonna we're just gonna shake the camera in the sky a bit then we're going to focus on a star field, and then it's going to do the hyperdrive thing. We can't afford to do any more than that. Yep, this mm. is it. I do love how when the car takes flight, it literally just goes straight up and then <laughs> forward. Like it was, it, even even They couldn't even like a, really afford to do much in the way of model work, so they did the best they could. Yeah. But you know, I just find, I find it charming. It's really charming, this, the Agreed. end of this movie. Like, yeah. Uh, not much of the way of special effects, but what, what's there is... I'll use it a third time. Charming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's very much like uh like the sort of Ed Wood flying saucer going on yeah. here. Yeah. A flying saucer, of course, being the same thing as a time machine. Mm. Of course, yeah. Yes. <laughs> as as Thanks, Miller, Miller so eloquently pl- puts it. I really I would love to somebody just needs to make a book of quotes from Miller. <laughs> and sort of like like Yoko Ono's grapefruit. Like Miller's like, life lessons. Yeah, it's like, huh? Yeah, I guess <laughs> or a like time a machine Jack Handy's book. Yeah, because yeah, that makes you make a really good point, Miller. Like that you could flip through like while on the toilet or something. Meditations on Miller. <laughs> <laughs> Miller's pensées. <laughs> like his whole thing about uh, a car is, you know, I, I don't, I don't. I don't want to learn how to drive a car. The more you drive, the less intelligent you are. <laughs> yes, which I hate driving. So I was like, okay, I do my best thinking on the bus. I wrote my my novel on the bus. So the first draft. So I'm I'm all for bus life. I don't use the bus that often, but I love uh, the 80s, possibly early 90s comic strip, The Bus, which is just a bunch of like weird, formal, inventive just regular panel comics involving a, a bus that seems to sort of bend time and space. It's a it's a really great comic strip. Check it out. Are you out. talking about the, the Magic School Bus, the cartoon? No, no, the bus. <laughs> I I wish I could remember who drew it, but it is it it's like Perry Bible Fellowship, but like decades earlier. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. I'm, I'm gonna have to look that up and put that in the show notes because that sounds yeah. like it's right up my alley. Uh, I guess for my part, I commute 30 minutes to work to and from every day, so I'm a big dumb idiot, basically. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's Repo Man. <laughs> it's a very. It's, I, I'm not gonna call it a scatter shot movie because it is. I mean, it's fairly linear, but it, it it makes sense and it's yeah. 
It's very episodic, but episodic. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's picaresque. Right, right. Um, but it, I think this movie definitely holds up. I mean, oh, saying, having seen this for the first time, like the fact that it t- it was made in 1984 really didn't faze me about that much. Like, I I get it. I appreciate sort of the snapshot of like East LA in the early 80s. It just I don't know. It really works. It's yeah. Works. Problematic language aside, it was uh, very much. I like these kind of cult films. Uh, that they're just they're they're so they're weird, but they're excessively weird. It takes yeah. a real special person to like something like Forbidden Zone. Like Forbidden Zone is really pushing it, but this you're like, okay, this is this movie. This makes sense. Fun fact, this was the first Criterion I ever purchased. It was the beginning of that years-long addiction. Well, this, knowing you for the hour and a half that I've known you, that does not surprise me. <laughs> I, I I will admit, I, I will say I did pick up the, the Criterion, and it is, it is pretty great. Oh, the Criterion rules. Like, they have the TV edit on there. Oh, yeah, I had to watch that next. My favorite feature on there, though, is... It's just an interview with Iggy Pop, like decades after this movie, just talking about his experience of making the the song, where he talks about like when the first sort of rough draft of the song came in, the rough demo, he didn't think it sounded that great, so he just snorted a line of cocaine to see if it would sound better. <laughs> Iggy Pop is great. What a weirdo. And then I guess the next question is, how does the soundtrack hold up as a soundtrack? Oh, it great. is. It's beautiful. It's great. Yeah. And yeah. just the the fact that it sort of saved the movie, uh, I think it really speaks to it. Yeah, definitely. Oh, like, you- fun fact I forgot to bring up: there's a weekly world news in here. Like, uh, yeah, Otto's reading when, the when Otto world finally news. sees the picture of the dead aliens on the front cover. It's of the weekly world news, the paper All that right. brought us Bat Boy. <laughs> Hell yeah! The entire run is free on Google Books. Really? Yeah, that's very cool. Uh, true story. I was a very impressionable child, and the Weekly World News gave me genuine nightmares when I was a kid. <laughs> Other fun story. Um, when my dad graduated college, he had, I don't know if it was the Weekly World News, but he had applied at some supermarket tabloid in uh, Florida and also a uh, a textbook factory or textbook, you know, uh, manufacturer in Publisher. Oklahoma City. And uh, the textbook company called him back first. So he moved to Oklahoma City. He met my mom. And that's why I'm here, because my dad did not get the job at the supermarket tabloid in Florida. Wow. Yeah. But it wasn't the Weekly World News. I don't know. He doesn't remember. But he could have, in an alternate timeline, my dad created Bad Boy. (laughs) That's amazing. I, I also read the Weekly World News as a kid. But it was like really late, overtly comedic Weekly World News, and I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure I had the final issue. Cool. Wow. Like that's one that I picked up when it was on the stands. That's totally a collector's item now. Yeah. Oh, I I don't have it anymore. Oh <laughs> man, Neil, <laughs> the hell, man. Oh I, well. I was like, I was like maybe ten at the time, or like this was like 2007, so I was like 13, and it was a very flimsy black and white tabloid it it was not long for this world (laughs) (laughs) oh well so yeah repo man definitely holds up as a movie and as a soundtrack and i think we we all uh heartily endorse the soundtrack here on ost party absolutely absolutely 
Uh, you can find the movie. Well, you can go get the Criterion Collection DVD of Repo Man. You can find it streaming to rent wherever you rent movies on and Amazon. We uh, it, w- it wasn't uh, on Hulu and it wasn't on um, Netflix. We found it on mm. Amazon. Um, I'm really surprised. Uh, just a pitch for the vinyl here. The vinyl is available. It's not cheap. Wow. So I'm really kind of surprised we haven't gotten. Uh, at least not that I can find, uh, haven't gotten a repressing. This seems like absolutely kind of a record store day thing. But yeah. they did listen to us about The Crow, so... You, um, you, you never know, yeah. This is our official request for a repressing of the Repo Man soundtrack on vinyl. Yes, on uh, really, really crazy vinyl. Yeah. Ooh, like some like a, neon green. Yeah, yeah, I was just about to say, like a, a sort of neon green black swirl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With like the oh man, with like the policeman's skull like printed on it, like that X-ray skull. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. We need to thank Neil Jacoby for coming onto the show. Neil, thank you so much for Neil, thank joining you. us on here. And you're welcome. And introducing me to Repo Man, I love this film. Yes. And this if is... you'd like more of me, you can find me on Spall Talk, which is at spalltalk.blogspot.com. You can find us at, on Twitter at TalkSpall. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at F-U-C-K-I-N-A-L-P-A-M-A-R-E. There you go. Libby, where can they find you on the internet? You can find me uh, on Twitter at Libby Cudmore, or you can find me on Instagram at record underscore Saturday. And you can find me on Twitter at Cordial Wombat, and the same on Instagram. And for more OST Party goodness, go to Twitter and follow us at OST Party. And uh, leave us a star rating and review on iTunes and... Do all that fun stuff to let people know that this is a soundtrack. This is a soundtrack podcast that you love and you think needs a bigger audience because we certainly do. Yes, we love doing uh, it. We want you to hear it. Absolutely, Joe. What are we doing next week on the show? Uh, on next week's episode, it's our tenth episode, so we are diving into uh, the full spectrum of James Bond's theme songs. We are going to oh. count them down the top ten. What's going to be number one? And maybe the bottom five. Who knows? <laughs> uh, so uh, for OST Party, I am Joseph Wade. I'm Libby Cudmore. I'm Neil Jacoby. Spall's life. <laughs> Buy the ticket. Take the ride. Tonight. <laughs>